0: Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by the mayor himself, Connor Ryan. Now, guys, before we get into this week's show, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, starting with this past weekend where I cruised up to beautiful Chicago, Illinois for the NBSCA annual meeting. Now, if you've never heard of the NBSCA, that's totally okay. It stands for the National Basketball Strength and Conditioning Association. Now, awesome event, first time I'd ever been. I think when I tallied it all up at the end, I interacted and hooked up with 12 of, you know, representatives from 12 of the 30 NBA teams. So, you know, a lot of them are IFAST family members, people that have come up through the ranks at IFAST, but then also just a ton of people that we had interacted with or that I'd interacted with via social media or email And, you know, had never gotten to put a real face to the name. So just an awesome event, not only for the high level, like professional level strength coaches that are there, but man, there are some elite college level guys. There are some elite high school level guys that are serious about making an impact with their basketball athletes. So awesome event, couldn't recommend it highly enough. Uh, And if you're in the basketball world, it's definitely something I would have on your radar when it comes up again next year. So the NBSCA meeting was awesome, came back Saturday night, got to spend all day Sunday with the family. One of the great things about, you know, those short drives or those three-hour drives, you can get back quick, and I had all day Sunday to spend with the family, recovered, and then Monday, today, man, the summer of hoops is here for me, my friends. Started at the barn at 8 a.m., I think we had four groups, so I went from eight to one straight, came back to IFAST, quick lunch, and then I had our soccer crew. And then I had my boy Jalen after that. So lots of coaching going on right now, my friends. And I think you guys can probably tell by the energy in my voice. It was a great day. I love working with people and hopefully helping all these athletes take their game to the next level. So that is the coaching side of things. As far as content goes for the week, number one, new article. If you're not on the newsletter, you didn't see it, but new article went up over at bodybuilding.com that I wrote that really dives into the science of recovery. And I think too often when we get started out, we're just focused on the muscular side of recovery. It's like, oh, when the DOMS have cleared, you can go train again, and yeah, that may be part of it. But I think there's a lot more to unpack with that. You know, How does age impact your recovery? How does your current stress level, your hormone level, your training age, your intensity? You know, There's a lot of things that impact how frequently you should train or how long you should take in between workouts. So if you haven't checked it out, I'll make sure I'll put a link in the show notes, but I think it's definitely something you'll want to review. Number two, got a new video up this week. I'd had a lot of people ask about just a basic trap bar deadlifting video. How do you trap bar deadlift? How do we coach it at iFast? So got that out there as well. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but man, the trap bar deadlift for me is it's really the starting point for our gen pop people there's not a lot of reason for me to have them conventional or sumo deadlift. And quite frankly, for a lot of my athletes, there's no need for me to have them conventional or sumo deadlift. So the trap bar deadlift in a lot of cases now has become like the penultimate deadlift variation for the clients and athletes that I work with. So if you haven't checked out that video, make sure you do it. Little insight into the podcast, man, really excited about some stuff and then s- some ideas I'd like to bounce off of you as well. So, as you recall, a couple weeks ago, we really made this push to get to 100 five-star reviews. Well, since then, uh, I think we started at 78, now we're up to 112 five-star reviews. And I checked our downloads, we are very close to 900,000 downloads. I think we're at like 885,000. So, number one, man, thank you guys so much like I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you tuning in, you listening, means the world to me. So thank you so much. Now, to temper that just a little bit, what's crazy is that while a lot of things are going well, total downloads are down, right? And so this is something that as a business owner, as a content producer, I take seriously. So I'm always wondering like, okay, what can I do better, right? What what would you like to see out of the show? Do you get tired of hearing me ramble at the beginning? Do you not find that worthwhile? Do you want me to find different guests? Are there specific guests you would like to hear from? Uh, do you want a different format? Some people had talked about, you know, kind of getting rid of the current format and just bringing on people that I've had on before and just doing like a really fluid and organic Q&A. So I'm open to anything. At this point i want to pr- create something that you find value in okay so if you've got any feedback at all dm me on instagram rob train systems shoot me an email mike at robertsontrainingsystems.com i would love to hear what you think of the show what i can do better and you know anything that we can do to continue like it's not just about downloads right like to me it's not just a numbers game it's about impact so i know people like you that are listening hopefully this is impactful for you but at the same time, on a grand scale, I would love to impact more people. I want this message and the people that, that we interact with on this show to you know, help everybody, help more trainers and coaches step their game up. So long-winded way of saying, if you've got any feedback at all, stuff that you would like to hear from me, stuff that you maybe don't want to hear from me, people you'd like to hear from, I would love to get any feedback that you have. Okay? Now, Before we jump into the show with Connor Ryan, I want to leave you guys with a thought for the week, and I think it's really critical as trainers and as coaches to monitor your own batteries, right? To monitor your own energy level. So the the idea that I had for today is trying to match your input with your output, okay? So think about this for a minute, how to match your input with your output. So I'm going to give you a practical example. I already ran you through my day today. I believe I was up at 6.15, jumped in the shower, quick breakfast. I was in the car by 7.05, drove to the gym, set up, training by 8, literally trained from 8 until 12.45, 12.50, jumped in the car, drove back to IFAST, had lunch at 1.30, soccer crew got there at 1.55, trained from 2 to 4.15, came home. Okay, so there was a lot of output, right? I I don't ever tell you this to like brag or to seem arrogant. That's not the point. It's to give you some insight, like the hustle was real today, okay? So when your output is at a really high level, you have to find ways to input good stuff, right? You have to find ways to recharge your own batteries, okay? So the question that I want to ask you is what ways are you replenishing your energy stores? As a trainer or coach, because I'll be honest, early on, I was really bad about this. I was give, 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 and I never did things for myself. And, and not to sound selfish, you are not selfish, but you have to be a little bit, right? It's not like selfish in a negative way. You have to be selfish in a way that actually allows you to recharge your batteries so you can be at your best when you're training or coaching. Okay? So, For me, on a day-to-day basis, I have to find ways on maybe on a daily and on a weekly level to recharge those batteries, to keep my juice going, all right? So one of the best ways, something I can do every day, I can meditate. Meditation, five to 10 minutes every day is a staple in my routine. And I heard a great quote from Craig Ballantyne uh, in his Early to Rise radio. He's got a really good podcast and, uh, you know, Craig was just talking about you know, slowing down to speed up. And I just love that. He was talking about how, you know, maybe this one day his anxiety was high, go, go, go. And everything was frantic. And he's like, no, like I need to meditate first, get some clarity, get some perspective. And then when I speed up, it's going to be productive. And I just thought that was such a brilliant way to say it. So slow down to speed up. That's what meditation can help you do. So you slow down so you can be more productive later on. Another one for me, that's been a game changer the last to four months has been contrast showers I never thought you know in the literature is like kind of sketch on this right but at the end of the day something that I've tracked for a while now is my sleep and I'd really struggled with deep sleep for quite some time so contrast showers are something that I started adding into my routine literally 30 seconds hot 30 seconds cold at the end of the day I'm stinky and nasty anyway so I need a shower before I go to bed and literally that three minutes of just decompression. My deep sleep has gone from an average of 45 to 50 minutes a night to an hour and 10 to upwards of an hour and a half a night. So the contrast showers at the end of the night has been a fantastic way for me to just decompress and recharge my own batteries. And obviously if your sleep's better, you're going to perform better when you're at work or at home or in the gym. Okay. Contrast showers is another one. Stretching. Another thing that I do personally that I feel like makes a huge difference. Resets are great. In fact, I would say in a perfect case scenario, you would reset first, optimize your position, and then go do some static stretching of those key areas. For me, hip flexors, lats, calves, just some of the really problematic areas that we all struggle with. You know, you do your resets, you do some stretches before you go to bed. Again, if you sleep better, you will perform better. No questions asked. And then something that, you know, I didn't get around to today. I had it written down, but I just love getting out in nature. Like something I really notice if I'm in the gym all day or if I'm working in a coffee shop or in my house, like I I almost start to feel boxed in a little bit. And all I have to do is walk outside, just get a little bit of time outside. So if I have time to go for a walk with Kendall or take the kids and Jess for a walk around the block, man, I just feel so much better getting out in nature just kind of rejuvenates your body. You get the air, leave your phone at home, right? You don't need the phone with you when you go on a walk. Man, you just feel so much better, right? You feel so much more centered, and then you go back to work, or you go back to spending time with your family, and you're there. You're there. So question for you, something I want you to reflect on. How can you better match your inputs to your outputs? As a trainer or coach, you have to output, right? You have to give energy, What are ways that you can recharge your own batteries to get some energy back, all right? And and to facilitate that, here are some things to consider. What things give you joy? What do you enjoy doing? Maybe it's reading, meditating, uh, going for a walk, taking a hot bath. Like, I don't know what works for you, but start with the things that give you joy, that replenish your energy, and the things that help keep you on your A-game. I'm going to give you a real piece of advice here. It's okay to be selfish. And in fact, if you are not selfish, people will gobble up and eat away every ounce of time that you have. It's part of the gig. We're, we're energy givers. We love to give energy to people. We love to help people. We are selfless as trainers, as coaches. That's great. But find ways to preserve your own energy, to recharge your own batteries so that when you go to the gym, when you go to train people, when you go to spend time with your family, that you've got the energy necessary to be at your best. All right, my friends, that does it for me. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk to the mayor, the man himself, Connor Wright. This episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by Momentus. For many years, I simply disregarded the age-old advice of getting liquid protein in either during or after workouts. Part of this was due to the fact that most had so much crap in them, I didn't want to put them in my body. And others might have been high quality, but tasted absolutely disgusting. However, if you're looking for a protein that's not only high quality, but also tastes amazing, you need to check out Momentus. I've been using Momentus for several months now, and I can tell you it's hands down the best tasting protein I've ever had. But it's not just me. I have numerous elite level athletes who are very picky with their protein powders, and every one of them raves about how great Momentus protein shakes taste. And while the taste is amazing, the best part about Momentus is that they're incredibly transparent with what goes into their product. You never have to worry about a tainted or dirty supplement, as all of their products are NSF and Informed Sports certified. If you'd like to try Momentus out for yourself, head over to livemomentus.com forward slash Robertson and use the code ROBERTSON20 to save 20% off your first order. Or if you want to try before you buy. Get a free three-pack sample sent to your house by using the Robertson sample code at checkout. Regardless of which option you choose, I guarantee once you try Momentous Protein Shakes, you'll never go back to anything else. Dr. Connor Ryan is currently working with the Arizona Coyotes as the physical therapist and also sees patients in his own office in North Scottsdale, Arizona. He finished his undergrad in exercise physiology and then doctorate in physical therapy at the University of Massachusetts Lowell. Prior to working with the Coyotes, he worked at Foothill Sports Medicine Physical Therapy in Gilbert, Arizona as a staff orthopedic physical therapist and worked as a personal trainer and physical therapist, working under Charlie Weingroff in New York City at Drive 495. Connor currently has two children, ages one and four, with his wife Harmony, and he enjoys being a dad training in the gym, mentoring the youth, sports, music, cooking, and spending time with family and friends. In this show, Connor and I talk about how essentially dying on a baseball field at age 14 got him started working out, his philosophy and thoughts on blending physical therapy with physical preparation, and why he's made such an effort to simplify his model and approach in recent years. Connor and I really touch all the bases in this one, and I really hope you enjoy it. But enough from me. Let's do this. Connor, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. So amazing to be
1: chatting with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Thanks for having me, Mike. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm a physical therapist and a strength coach, and uh, I currently work for the Arizona Coyotes uh, as a physical therapist there. Uh, back to the beginnings, I grew up in Auburn, Mass, uh, next to Worcester, Mass, on <laughs> my on my Central Mass homies, and uh, you know, great, strange bunch of folks there. But you know, I feel like I grew up in a place where i don't know it was a really good community it was I've, I've had a lot of friends that were really quality and uh a lot of families that kind of made me part of their family and it's a great great place to grow up and, you know have uh sports be what it was and you know we, we grew up playing sports and different like travel leagues and you know you just meet so many different people and uh lots of odd <laughs> odd ducks but it was yeah. it was great so um yeah i grew up playing hockey baseball a little bit of golf and uh definitely shows when i play basketball you'll you'll see that I didn't <laughs> can't take you players. to the barn with
0: me. I can't take no, you to the basketball I, I, barn.
1: I, would, I wouldn't, I would I'll, I'll stay in the sidelines, but it was, uh, no, it was great. So, um, you know, the, the Northeast is a cool place for, you know, for strength and conditioning. Of course we had yes. a lot of different people up there. So it was, it was pretty natural to kind of, you know, what happened in terms of development and, and where I wanted to go. Yeah. I, I actually went to college not knowing I, I was going to, I want to be a pro baseball player. So I thought like, You know, I just get a business degree and I'm going to be, I'm going to get drafted. I'm just going to be, it's just going to be easy, right? So, but little did I know it wasn't that good and wasn't, you know, quite the physical specimen that uh, some of my other family members were. So it's good. It all led us to here. So it's fantastic.
0: You just didn't meet Eric Cressy soon enough in your life.
1: That's, I always think about that and it's like, yeah. Still don't think I was quite the athlete, but it was, it was fun.
0: <laughs> Very cool, man. And what what led you to the world of physical preparation? How did you know, I, I think I want to do this for a living.
1: So I, I kind of have a funny story. I'll actually I'll put this in quotes, dying. I was wow 14 years old playing All-Stars. And that, I'm only bringing that up for a certain reason you'll see in a second. <laughs> um, I was warming up with a penny ball with, what was his name? forget anyways I, I can picture him ben ellis ben ellison ben ellis he was an older kid and we were throwing a penny ball and i literally missed the ball that's why I, just, I was paying attention it was my fault completely i missed the ball it hit me in the solar plexus and the doctors described it was the right mass and the right velocity and my heart stopped and so wow, i woke up with a ring of heads around me like a like a movie right yeah and and, and, and mr natoli john natoli who i reflect a lot upon and he's he's a pretty neat guy but he was my baseball coach and he, I woke up with him pushing on my chest and long story short, the next year I was out of sports and, you know, I told a cardiologist told me, uh, why don't you do, um, maybe think about figure skating. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm 14 years old. I'm like, mom, I said, I think I said this in front of him. I'm like, mom, can we get out of here? I don't like this guy. <laughs> and so, you know, we went on that, that year long journey and it, it really you know, humbled me, but also, you know, this is where the story kind of makes more sense. Uh, it made me, they were like, a. One of the things you could do to possibly get back into sports is build up your core. And so, you know, I'm 14 years old, and what do you do for core? You do sit ups and you do crunches. Right. And, and I think I remember a summer where I would just play video games and literally did sit ups probably somewhere between 500 and 1,000 a day. Wow. You know, it was one of those things you, you take sports away from a kid and they're going to be motivated to do whatever to take, what they think is right to, to get them going. I remember yeah. actually, I'm remembering right now just the, a funny. I asked my my parents for a body by Jake, ab, ab, like, cruncher. You sit down, and it's incredible. It it gets all the areas. So I wanted that. I remember silly stuff like that. So uh, that spawned kind of like my desire to be in the gym. And uh, in middle school, I remember we started going with Mr. Lindbergh, Joe Lindbergh and Zach Rojasik and I. We'd go to the the Auburn Racquetball Club, and we'd go down and we'd lift. And we'd, you know, we'd do what you did. We did, uh, you know, three – Three, three to six sets of flat bench. Then we did decline. Then we did incline. Yeah. Then we did it all again with dumbbells. Then we did all those again with flies nice. and all that stuff. But, and so you know, you learn the the, the way to bodybuild because that's what you know. You see the kids. I want to be a pro baseball player, right? So I saw the kids in, in D one sports, and you're like, well, these kids are yoked, right? These got the yeah. arms popping. So I figure I, I, I'm. I think I'm decently skilled at enough at baseball. I wasn't, but uh, <laughs> I think I just need to get big, right? So yeah. you see those. And so that's where that kind of, I'm sure a lot of people go through that that, uh, that realization like, they're bigger than me. I got to get bigger. So, right. So obviously we, we chuckle now because of what we know. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, little did I know it was inhibiting my performance. And, you know, I eventually in college, I ran into uh, Jeremy Frisch who and uh, Donnell, Donnell Boucher. I, oh, I think, yeah. Uh, at the Citadel. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome guys. And, and they were my first introduction to kind of functional training. Uh, again, John had totally had like, he was uh, my baseball coach. He was, had this big, huge, huge, huge setup, probably like Lee Taft, kind of similar thing. Yeah. I think like they got a big, big, um, like dome, right? Well, yeah, he's, he Terrible. he does all his videos out of that dome for sure. So like that. And, and that was my first experience was, and then played baseball and got hurt cliche story. And that'll be part of my career path, you know, talk, but, um, Went to UMass to get my exercise physiology degree and ran to my, uh, Sean Regan, who was my roommate. And he was like, I'm like, I'm going to the gym. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like chess and tryouts. He's like, what are, you t- what are you talking about? I was like, why don't you go, pre- why don't you go, let's, let's call it pressing. And he wrote me a, like a quick program. And that was like the, the spawn of like, I get it. I'm getting, I'm starting to get it. Like this is different. And he more importantly pointed me to T nation, which is, Oh yes. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, you wrote a couple I, articles for them. Like two or three. Yeah, sure, sure. Hundred. So so <laughs> exactly so you know, one of those things where, you know, I'm just eager. I'm, I'm 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 thinking like, this is the coolest thing in the world. Like this is a whole new renaissance for me as a young kid and right. You know, you're you're in college, so you're you're, you're reading about this stuff and but then it makes it more fun and sexy when you're talking it about it in terms of performance or per- a little bit of bodybuilding still. But yeah. I remember the the so you know, you we—that's where we learned about Mike Robertson, Eric Cressy, you know, Mike Boyle, Jason Frugia, Charlie Weingroff, and of course, uh, Christian Thibodeau is one of the guys I used to love to read, even though it wasn't he's, certainly performance. But he's still
0: crushing it, man. He still he? does work over there. I'm yeah, There
1: sure he does. I see, and he was—he was—he was, he was, he was a good writer. He was fun to fun to listen to. But um, yeah, I mean, that was the kind of the main things that got me. You know, we've always we've always been around sports. right? everyone has yeah. a cliche <laughs> story. I've always been around sports, and so. Okay. Kind of evolved, evolved to that.
0: So take me from you have this first performance program. You're moving away from chest and Tries. You're yeah. reading T Nation. What makes you say, man, I, I, I want to do this for a living and like from like school to where you're at now. Like give us that career path because yeah. it, it's, it's a
1: winding road, right? It's not like you just went A to B and you were done. For everyone, yeah. So again, like I said, a cliche story playing baseball in college. Um, went down to Florida and like subluxed my shoulder because I was throwing pole to pole and I felt so good. We were so warm down there. We literally landed at like 7 p.m. and we still had to practice that night. Oh, so I was just, like so excited. Anyways, hurt my shoulder. thought rest would help it. Rest made it worse, to be honest. And I was like, interesting, you know. I went to go to the athletic trainers and they gave me some. You know, exercises that I probably <laughs> wouldn't prescribe now, but I still got better, which is kind of a neat thing. It's pretty cool moral of the story, right? Yeah. Um, and we, we got better. I was like, hey, I, I think I could do this. Here's the embarrassing funny part about this is I was like, all right, I'm going to skip business. I'm going to do rehab. And we didn't have, at my school, we didn't have any kind of like, uh, you know, sciences and going towards that, like pre-med or anything like that. So I did social rehab because it had the word rehab in it. And mm-hmm. I'm like... <laughs> I, don't, I, I i'm now realizing this was a big mistake and obviously switched my courses but it was it was just funny um so i i hurt my shoulder cliche story i'm gonna be a pt and from then on i decided i was gonna do that i had you know I, I i did not do great in school when i was playing baseball i felt like it was a double major and i was not prepared i wasn't focused enough at school and but luckily enough that focused me and i picked up my gpa enough to get into pt school and uh uh, transferred over to UMass Lowell, uh, that because that they told me not to go there, but I'm I'm glad I did because it did take me a little longer to get my my undergrad it took me five and a half years, but no big deal. It was exactly what I needed because I had that exercise physiology degree, and literally everything spawned from my my internships with with Eric Cressy and Mike Boyle. Like everything, yeah. I, I can't thank them enough for everything. Like just, and I wouldn't have done that if I did a biology degree, then went into sure. So. So fortunate that I didn't listen to the, the head of the department, who was is, is an awesome lady. Uh, she's retired now, uh, Susan O'Sullivan. She was fantastic and a big part of that program. But anyways, uh, you know, went there. I worked at I worked in the UMass Lowell with uh, Devin McConnell. He worked in the strength room there. Um, worked with Jeremy Frisch and, and Jeff Oliver. Did yeah. a little internship there. Uh, did an internship with Cressy and, and Mike Boyle. I ended up with Mike Boyle. Um in the summers between PT school and things like that. I would work with at Cressy's every once in a while. I say I work there, but I would work at like Christmas break. He'd he'd shoot me some cash for <laughs> doing, some, doing some work for him. He was he was very, very generous and it was nice nice to just be part of that, that, that culture. That yeah. Um that's where I learned about you guys too. It's like uh, you know, yes. Mike Robertson and, and and Bill. Like I knew you guys' names, but again, it's just so funny. I let you you know, you're reading Eric Cressy's blog and it's like he's in Hudson Mass. I'm like, that's like twenty minutes for me. This is amazing. So Yeah. That's where it really started to, you know, become real. And, and, uh, again, like, think about, like, how lucky we were to have, first of all, people to look up to in our field. I think that's just the neatest thing. And, and uh, and also just them right in my backyard. So, yeah. So I got my DPT from UMass Lowell. And, uh, after school, uh, I remember, like, reading again, reading blogs, like, when I should be studying for PT (laughs) classes. I was reading blogs and doing all this stuff. And, um, Charlie Weingroff was a big influence on me back at that, at that point. And I remember just like going to perform better and like tugging on Superman's cape, like asking him questions, trying not to annoy him, but like, trying <laughs> to like take this time. I got to ask him every question I can without pissing him off. And, um, you know, we got to know each other and he invited me down to work with him down in, um, in New York city. So I looked at my, who's now my wife now. And I said like, should we do this? And we moved to New York and worked it down in drive 45 Don Saladino's uh, facility, which is fantastic. And, uh, if you've never been, have you been there? I've never been, I've yeah, heard, you I've heard, but I've never been. Great things, great people. And you should, you should, if you're in the city. Um, and, uh, yeah, I did that for three years. It was a great opportunity and it was kind of a really important part of my development, you know, learning with Charlie and, and kind of going through a lot of different things in application with, with him and trying to figure out like, how do we use an Omega wave? Like, what is all this stuff? And <laughs> I look at it now and I'm like, you know, I realized how into deep I was with those even those thoughts. But uh, anyways, it drove a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of questions, and you're trying to figure that stuff out. And uh, you know, again, this was something where I was able to work with people for an hour, which is also really nice. Yeah. A, a big part of that, you know, out of school, um, and have like personal training. You know, still be a part of my life, and still physical therapy. So I didn't see a ton of physical therapy compared to a normal undergrad, a uh, normal uh, recent grad. Um, but it was still just very, very helpful. I'm glad I did it that way. But I do find that I, I wouldn't necessarily give young students, like kids coming out of school, I wouldn't necessarily say, do this. Right. I think that, you know, get as many reps as you can in an yes. orthopedic clinic, no matter what. If it's a half an hour, ideally, you know, get to a half an hour situation, hour e would be, you know, ideal. Um, but see patients, touch people, get your hands on people, evaluate. Because I feel like, you know, I was like a personal trainer slash body mechanic in in new york i wasn't really uh i wasn't seeing like acute injuries a ton i wasn't seeing like i wasn't seeing uh, a post-op at all who's gonna pay cash for exactly post op? so i went down i was seeking out just we had my our daughter shayla and i was like we need to get out of the city um (laughs) so i i was talking to alan groover a little bit and i was like maybe this is where we should do this maybe we should find like a a more, you know, 40 hour, 50 hour work week instead of 60 to 80. Right. And, uh, I'm so happy I did that as well. Cause you know, Alan taught me so much and that clinic experience taught me so much. I was there for one year and I was like, I'm out of here. I can't do this. So uh, <laughs> I, well, I needed more strength conditioning. I wanted to get yeah. that, that feel of, of drive four back. Um, and so I kind of Actually, thanks to you, got with Playmakers Basketball, yeah, and started work with them, and they kind of inspired me and in, um, to to go out on my own and do my own thing. And so I got a place in a gym that they were working at, working out of. I got in my own office there and started doing my thing. And then two weeks later, I was fortunate enough to uh, join the Arizona Coyotes. So that's kind of the history. But it all starts with that cliche story of I got hurt. It's kind of yeah. it's embarrassing. That's the truth.
0: I love it though, man. So. Let's start at the beginning as far as your overarching philosophy, because everybody that comes on this show, I, I think we need context, right? We need context. Like who are you? Where are you coming from? So how would you describe your overarching philosophy, your big rocks when it comes to training and therapy?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that. And like, so it's funny how I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to evolve in the next five, 10 years. But certainly said principles are really big deal for me kind of looking at we've always thought about that. And again, Sean Regan, yeah, that first guy—he was one of the guys that taught me that, and even like what Pato, so doing speed speed work and uh, utilizing German volume training, different things like that. Like it started to open up my eyes, and but it, it all comes back to said principle. I think it's a really big thing to think about, and it kind of alludes to, you know, we look at behavior. How do we behave? What's what are we doing? Like why am I stiff in this way, or why? It's like because you want to be stiff, and I get why some people <laughs> might say that. It was a little bit weird to me in the beginning, but I'm like, I guess. He's like, I I, I want to behave that way. And that's why you feel the way you do. Yep. Um. You know, var- the variability, uh, rigidity or specificity continuum is really important for me. Obviously, you guys, you and Bill and Eric Otter and and Zach Couples kind of brought that to me. And I, I totally did not get it. You guys kept talking about it. I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? This is, I forget. This is probably, yeah, I guess this is when I was in New York. And that was a really big renaissance for me to think about it in that context. And uh that's a huge part of my lens that I look through um certainly pnf is a big part you know certainly all the th- different things that we look at all the things that we've kind of developed through and, and evolved with uh sfma and pri and dns and every other three letter word it's <laughs> all comes kind of back to pnf right and yep. neuro and and sensory motor system i remember mike uh, ron Karate gave this awesome presentation at um, midwest summit yep and um, talked about the, the sensory motor system and after hearing things from DNS and Charlie and it was just, again, just excited me and pumped me up. And it's still to this day, a big part of how we think about things when we, uh, want to deliver manual therapy or, um, give an activity that, you know, it always comes down to how much can we give the patient or the, or the the, other person, the player, uh, context as to how this is going to be important or why this is going to be something where I need you to feel this, like, yeah, more you feel and or, or you know, I'm gonna let you know. Do you feel how much do you feel more after I give you manual therapy?
0: Mm-hmm. A ton more.
1: Um, so you know, I think that drives my communication with the players or, or my or my uh, personal clients, and just I want I want to help that I want to help them drive my care. Right, per, uh, yeah. patient-centered care is something that they go over in school a ton, and I'm like, I don't know what. I don't get get why they're making this such a big deal. I kind of just like half listen to it, but then you get practice and you're like, I get it because it's not about us making a decision on what's the best thing for them. It is ultimately, but we have to have it all based off of what are their needs? What do they need to do? What are their goals? What do they want? And so as I became a physical therapist, that became very clear to me as to why they drive that home, this patient centered care model. It's not therapist centered care. So don't, you know, again, for when I was doing cash based physical therapy, it wasn't for me to play it wasn't, this yeah. was this is for me to help that person get better and i have to use the biggest bang for my buck or the 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 highest percentage shot in order to get them better so as a new grad that was you know i'm listening to my giants and i want to do what they do but I'll, i couldn't always do that so yeah i think that was i'm very again i'm grateful for that uh, to look through it look through that lens and uh because it made me get good at things i wasn't necessarily wanting to get good at at the moment i wanted to be Sexy like Charlie Weingroff and, and uh, Bill Hartman. So yeah, that and then you'll look at Shirley Simon's huge influence in, um, DNS and DNS and PRI with like Arthur Kinematics and how muscular activity is going to de- determine this and, and how position is going to determine this and um, then kind of you know another big pillar would be you know being fit. That's a that's a big deal and yes. Charlie was someone who kind of you know made that really relevant for me. Really uh, see why this is a big deal in terms of how a, an aerobic t- or a t- tissue that's able to be more aerobic is not going to get as rigid. It's not going to be as, you know, yes. you know, uh, as uh, beef jerky, like, you know, yeah. we want, we want this, we want this, this, this tissue to be again, variable. We want it to be yes. adaptable. We want it to be able to elongate. We want it to be able to shorten. Uh, and we want it to be able to absorb force. So yes. I think the fitness is a big deal. Um, this is why things have worked forever, right? Even the stuff that we look back at it as asinine, it's like it all worked for a reason because right. sometimes fitness is a big deal. And, and uh, you know, it's, it doesn't necessarily allude to why – where where health comes in all of this, but at least we can get what we want for a result by just kind of being fit right, almost arbitrarily. Absolutely. It just makes such a big impact. Yeah, and, and, and we also know how much psychology runs this show. So. Yes. When you feel better, when you're able to perceive that there's less, you know, I can get more. Less, there's there's some awesome things that can kind of come from that. And and now, you know, kind of the same thing with steroids. It's like, did they did they help their eyes hit the bat? No, but they're they're walking they're walking on water. So, right. I think it's kind of a big deal. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm for or against uh, steroids in, in sport, but I'm saying like there's a lot. It, it, obviously, psychology runs the show. So
0: yeah, I mean Joe Ken always says, look good, feel good, play good. There's a lot to that. Rick, man, that's, that's important. (laughs) So as an extension of that question, how does your philosophy change when it comes to you work with athletes and especially in your case now with pros,
1: you know, again, specificity of sport, you know, the, the variability game, I'm not, I'm not trying to make them the most variable person, right? The reason why they are who they are is because they have made specific adaptations or their um, anthropometrics allows it all the above. So I'm not trying to change too much. Typically I want to, Again, patient-centered care. You come to me, or or the, the staff might, the strength coaches might identify something. But you know, all in all, it's like the athlete comes to us and says, "I have problems with this." All right, now let's continue to dissect how we could potentially add something to the equation or, or subtract something from the equation to help you better. You know, just slide that scale, that variability scale. Yep. So it's not you know lose what makes you you, but you can recover a little better maybe or access certain uh positions and and strategies right that's yeah that's what it's all about so i would say i would say that that for you know with my personal clients i'm going to be more of the dictating the show and say here's how this is compared to the athletes where it's like i really want to hear what they have to say um i'm i'm always listening with what all my patients are saying i guess but it's less is more i guess for sure with them and and, it kind of like you know help them partly because it's it's Again, about psychology and rapport and trust. So, I can get more of my cooler, bigger, bang for my buck stuff done when they trust me to know that I'm going to choose the right thing for them, and I'm going to yes. not not you know waste their time, or I'm not going to um, I'm certainly not going to test <laughs> them. type. thank you. Sorry. <laughs> that great. So um, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I wanna I wanna help them open up communication, like have a culture, you know, set a culture that they can be very open with, um, and everyone else so that we can all help them in the best we can. So, yeah. And the great thing about athletes
0: is they generally tend to be more in tune with their body. So the discussions can go a lot deeper than with some of your lay population where they just, they just don't have the same sensations. They don't have the same feel. You're probably going to have to run the show a little bit more versus an athlete. There can be more of this back and forth dialogue you know it's so cool and and
1: i will say i am impressed by how well they move even if they're not great movers like uh, if we could generally look at them and be like they're not the best mover but they change so quickly they do yes. get better very fast and then it's just fun to watch they, they, they adapt so quickly
0: for sure so would you mind walking us through like your diagnostic or your assessment process and, and i would love to just hear you know what are you looking at initially And
1: maybe what outcomes are you looking to achieve in that first session? Yeah, it all comes back to the history, right? I kind of just talked a little bit about some of my mentorship and, and my influences in terms of Con Ed and, you know, it's very SFMA and PRI influenced and, and um, very, at this point, really more it's in it. And we talked about it quickly. The, uh, there's a Renaissance going on and, and, and Bill Hartman is really pointing out some really cool things for us and simplifying models for us to the point where. We need less tests to determine where we want to go faster. It doesn't mean we all the tests aren't important. It just means, for the for the for the most part, we can glean a lot of information through like about 12, 15 tests, right? And then go from there because we have we have priorities. There are high hierarchy of needs in terms of how we can intervene. Um, and like you said, what the, the the most important thing to get done in that first session or for a player, I guess the acute moment is all right. Let's get you. Let's kind of get you to a place where you just feel better because again. Yeah psychology runs a show pain science is a real thing and we want to help them de-threaten their their, their system as best we can maybe maybe that's like get them going on some manual therapy or 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 put them on on a uh on a, a small routine for that day that gets them to f- just feel better with some aerobic light aerobic steady state or yeah or just some graded exposure movement all of that stuffs is kind of the first things i'll go after uh and that's if that's if they're kind of more experienced with me you know we're lucky to have some carryover with the players if it's a new person again just kind of show them what i value um and why i would value that to be the main you know thing we're going to attack for instance like getting the axial skeleton to kind of do what we wanted to do and increase variability right Yep. so um like i said so s pri certainly influenced, but again bill hartman is changing the changing the game right now and and i'm really excited about what what he's making me rethink and and, and the ways we're going about it. Cause it's not that different than what we were doing, but it, it does definitely feel like it's way more simple. And I feel like I'm getting better results, which is yep. pretty cool. I love it. So, so you see people move, you listen to them. I think subjective reports a big deal. Um, and then you, you investigate and how do they behave? And the, you know, the, the evaluation kind of tells you that a little bit. And then you determine how am I going to intervene and what, what do I want to do? So it will change from person to person based off of their, their report and based off their, you know acute or long-term goals um and then how where do you so how do i, I determine how do i want to how do i want to intervene Are they, they're tired that day maybe i need maybe i really just need to stick to the manual therapy because they're just like they're not ready to absorb it, what i'm about uh, to say right so let's just put an elbow on an adductor and you're gonna start to feel better almost <laughs> almost everything every just just get them to I, I don't know anymore like i would like to think i knew what I, I, I thought we were looking at the nervous excuse me excuse me looking at the nervous system and we're going to help in- increase vagal tone. And this is going to put them in a healing state. I-, I don't know what's happening anymore. I just know that they feel better. And it uh, doesn't mean I'm not going to continue to look at those things. It's just I feel like some of those things that, I, that we were looking at and, and I was l- listening to my, my Giants talk about, I feel like I wanted to get too much. And this is kind of a, a bit of a pump up for the young kids. Like don't get bogged down in like all this really cool stuff. Keep it in your, keep in the back of your brain and, but just see, just keep working. Like, yeah. honestly, get your hands dirty and you'll see where almost where you want it to to, to, to guide you and, and, and that'll drive more. Um, but no one, not too many people have, you know, the money it takes to do some of this monitoring. And uh, so I, I got too excited about stuff that it wasn't really going to help me at the moment. And right. I think that, I, I guess I'm, I'm interested and I'm, it's always going to be in the back of my mind on how can we be more objective as to say, you know, we know the things that matter. Now can we really boil down to the things that matter within this um, ecosystem and how, how well can we manipulate things? Because sometimes, like, within pro sports, you can't manipulate certain things. Like, they're not going to sleep the way you'd love them to sleep because right. they're getting home after a game from Boston. Like, they just got off. They're going to get home at 4 a.m. So wow. it is what it is. So, um, you know, it's not not perfect, but it also alludes to, like, how crazy skilled and how – impressive these, these cats are like, they're just, they work, man. And they, they, they can, they have a work capacity in hockey. That's pretty impressive. Like, it's funny. We talked about the other day. It's like, I I wonder if coaches truly think that guys are truly out of shape. Like they're, they're they're (laughs) in shape and they're going to be in shape. Even if they didn't do everything. I I'm not promoting that you don't, um, but they just, they, they're there for a reason. These, these cats are genetically predisposed to be able to handle certain workloads and to be able to absorb that in in a certain way. So, does that answer? Are we? Did we get to my? Uh, my absolutely, I, I think I we think got so. enough
0: of it. I, I don't need you to break down exact the exact test that you do, but sure. I think it's helpful because a lot of people do want to focus on just purely. Oh, I do a horizontal abduction test, and I yeah. do an over test. Like that's fine, but I think, like you said up front, it it's more holistic. Than it was even three to five years ago, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, let's lay on the table, let's do these tests. Now we're kind of coming full circle. Like all that stuff's important. We want to have baseline measures, but you gotta you're interacting with a human, right? Right. And their feelings, percent. their emotions, like what you said it before, what are they, what are sensations are they dealing with right now? Like all of that gives you clues, not only to help you with the objective side. But now you've built rapport and you build a relationship and chances are you're probably going to get a better outcome by doing that stuff.
1: And how and what when they when they give you little keys and clues. Now you say you just fire it and throw it through a context that's relatable to them. And they they just told you it's like, all right, well, you want this? Well, this is this is this is why I'm doing this because I know that you want that. And this is where we're going to get there. And then then when you predict it and they actually get what you want, they start to get by. Then you start to get by and they're like, all right, I trust this guy. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So one of your big demographics right now is obviously professional hockey players. Mm -hmm. Walk me through because I'm not, I mean, I came from Indiana. I never, it's like the one sport I never really played. What are the main findings that you tend to see with them? And, you know, are there maybe consistent issues that you can just say, if I take a
1: general hockey player, I'm going to find X. Yeah, no, for sure. I'd say we need to deal with with a lot of groins. I would say that's the number one thing. Groins, low backs, hips, certainly some knee soreness. And um, and you get upper body. And, of course, you get plenty of contact stuff. Like these guys go through 82 games of basically a car crash. Like it's unbelievable. (laughs) These guys are again. I, I consider like the football players modern-day gladiators, but hockey's not that far off because they're on skates. They're going way faster. Um, the body mass is way different than a football player, but sure. it's they're both they're both savage. So
0: yeah,
1: uh, it's it's impressive, and, and we definitely get plenty of uh, triage work to kind of just help them get rid of hematomas and you know just contusions and all this stuff. It's it's, it's fun. So I'd say the biggest thing we manage and we try to do as a collective group. Is you know strength coaches and I and the athletic trainers try to help mitigate things that would contribute to um, adductor strains. Um, there's a lot of different components there, but again, like we talked about real quick before, it's like we're still talking about the same stuff. It's like abs and glutes and again, because yeah. we want to make this stuff simple and digestible for for these these people. So yeah, um, you know I think that's kind of the biggest stuff. I, I think we try to manage it by being a bit holistic, being you know fit uh, and being well balanced in the weight room. Um, we have recovery modalities. We, have, we try to encourage guys to get on the table and just get some soft tissue to shut down or to just bring some blood and some energy and transfer some electrons, and it's all good. So yep. I think, um, yeah, it's, 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 we have a really good staff. I'm really excited about having the group that we have and what they're all good at, or what I'm bad at, they're all good at. So it's a nice compliment and
0: it right. works out well. So if you had to deconstruct like your typical hockey bro, mm-hmm. give me give me a couple things. I mean, you said abs and glutes,
1: right? So I used to say, think about like. Uh, I guess I'm rethinking some of this, but I used to say they are a in a flexed posture. Yep but with an extended system. So they're like in an AB ducted, like they're all abducted ducted there. Yeah. There's never a deduction. Yeah. There's not so much internal rotation being, uh, being uh, occurring. So again, we lose this variability pretty easily. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of tight little backs and hips and all that stuff. So sometimes it just feels like, you know, get them on the battlefield and like just, you know, do those manual therapies that will help them get to just enough. Cause they hate being patients. They are good kids. Like they're yeah. like hockey, I will say is a f- very we're fortunate to work in hockey because it's there's good guys yeah but the, at the same time they hate to be on the table they're just like I, <laughs> go. I, right. I i i found that remarkable when they got when i got here you know i'm learning the culture and and they get off the ice and they're stick handling i'm like Dude, you guys love this sport like it's <laughs> it's neat to see the passion that they have and yeah um it's almost automatic for them they just can't not see a stick and go in a ball and go pick it up and start stick handling but so yeah i know i think that um it's uh where was I going with that? One of those. Or were we just, what, was the, what was the full question now?
0: Yeah. No, no, no. Just coming back to, okay, they're a flexed body with an extended system. And like, look, like that's one thing. I think sometimes when people hear the word extension, they just think sagittal plane. Well, yeah. extension can be a triplanar issue. You know, it sounds like, and, I, a, awesome. and with your guys, I mean, again, I don't know a ton about hockey, but you're skating around in this flexed hip position, a lot of abduction, a lot of external rotation to finish the push and mm-hmm. well, there's your adductor strain if you can't manage and control that, right? Yeah, you
1: they're all walking like ducks for the most part and you know kind of spilled forward, so yes. help them manage that in the gym and you know, I think the strength coaches do a good job of that and I try to sprinkle my my two cents in there as well and do our best. And, and I think, again, we have a really young team, so I'm excited about that. I think, you know, the plan is to have these guys around for a while. And so that's going to give more rapport with, between our staff and the players. And so it's hopefully going to accumulate. That's the way I see it. It's going yeah. to accumulate in a good way. And we're yeah. going to get some, some momentum um, being together. I think we all, the staff also wants to be here. I don't think anyone wants to leave. So that, that's great. That's, that's that's uh good for our future. I think, in terms for of sure. what we do and how, what we can control. Sure. So,
0: I got a question, side question sure, for you, because sure you mentioned manual therapy a couple of times now. Yeah. And like, let's be real, like 12 to 15 years ago, like manual therapy was like the thing.
1: So right? excited. I was like so excited about it.
0: ART, massage, whatever yes. you want to call it, pin and stretch. Yeah. Like soft tissue was where it was at. And the foam roller was nah, like the king. Yeah. Right. Now, I feel like, at least in some circles, it's very poo pooed, but. I love the fact that you mentioned it a couple of times. So give me your thoughts on where you're at with manual therapy right now.
1: Yeah. So, you, you know, it's like it's little your time with the patient to to transfer some electrons and get some energy moving. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a big recovery modality. It's one of those things where, you know, just get this, this system that's becoming very rigid and just decompress it a little bit. Give it a little bit of room. Give it some blood flow. Um, I honestly – again, like I said su- – my thoughts are getting more simple rather than more complex in that regard. Like I would yeah. talk a lot about a lot of different mechanisms and theories as to why this is working. But honestly, I think it's helping. I, I hate the word reset. I, I hate it. But I really? will use it. I do. I don't know. <laughs> That's not, it's not a, that is not not a, uh, a hack on, on any of your previous programming that you've Dang. done. Okay. And, uh, You're
0: out of the R7 family <laughs> tree forever. <laughs>
1: people talk about it and like for for instance uh, needling like what is it what's happening oh well it's inhibiting the muscle like well first of all we need to get nitty-gritty like what is inhibiting like nothing ever truly inhibits that's where i I, my my brain starts to go like it's more of a reset and it's more of a increasing variability so it's gonna help hopefully facilitate things that are not facilitated enough yeah wake up the brain and and connect that somatosensory area uh to the, to the, to the tissues and say, all right, this is, it. this is, we're more acute here. that Therefore we have more, more, um, more blood flow to the area. Yep. We have more, um, again, sensory motor. So we have more acuteness to and an and ability. I should say it's, it's, it's not going to lead to it, but it could give you more resources for control yep. and, um, and just help promote, I think a healthier tissue.
0: Yeah. It's we'll like, I don't want to cut you off, but like, Oh yeah. I, I'm just glad you said that because I mean, the world that I come from, and and, I mean, I still work with people, you know, I think that's important because there's people in the ivory towers that will tell you, you can only do this or you should only do that. But, you know, if you're in a really practical and applied setting, it's about the outcome, right? Like you care less about, man, this is all about me and my system, or this is how I do it. It's like, no, like what is going to give the patient, the client, the athlete, the best outcome? So it's just refreshing to hear you say that because, I don't know like you just because you have a better tool doesn't mean you forget about all the other great tools that you have in your toolbox right that's like a master craftsman just knows when to use the right tool at the right time
1: that's how i th- that's us and that's always comes back to that patient-centered care it's like it's pretty uh arrogant of us to think that we know exactly what they need like right it, because the funny thing is think about what we did 10 days ago a year ago <laughs> five years ago exactly. it's changed so yeah you know uh, don't be too high and mighty to think that we know, and let the patient tell us what what we know basically, or let them determine a lot of this. Absolutely. I think that the manual therapy also is like a lot. Of, one of the pillars I kind of stand on is you know people get better when they like your ther- when you like your therapist. Yeah. Right? So it's almost like a, it's almost a uh, a a uh, what's the word? Um it's almost a. Popularity. Thank you. Yeah, Pop, it's almost a popularity contest, and and if you think you're going to get better because you're trusting that person because they're either spitting a little bit of game, um, but not being like trying to talk over you, that's a big deal. And and also, what do I expect from physical therapy? So that's an I'll also oftentimes, especially if I hear someone talk about how this helped them so much, I'm going to start with manual therapy if they told me that manual therapy helped them a ton because yes. they expected that, and that's yes. now giving them a context that this person's listening, maybe subconsciously or consciously, and they're also now. Yeah, I am getting what I need. I I, I this exact oh, I, you hear from me. Yes. tell that's the spot. I need it oh, <laughs> That's it. They're telling us. Yeah. They're telling us what they need. So, I also will say that um to kind of circle back a little bit, it's it's jogging my memory. Like I'm excited about what Bill's doing because we've always under, I, I, I should say always. I feel like decently early I was mentored to 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 value and uh, understand regional interdependence. Yeah. And that's cool and especially when you're young, you really got to be careful because you don't want to lose people. And so very much so, I I started – my approach was very much so to like if it's a lower body thing, people are going to – and so I got away from – not – got away from –
0: Connor, will you come back to –
1: you just cut out there for a second so I couldn't hear what you said. Sure. So basically – You know, I would do a lot of things that if someone came with a lower body injury, I would do a lot of lower body type interventions. And now I'm realizing that I'm seeing more clear as to why we really should maybe go after the upper, you know, maybe cervical or or thoracic areas, Um, even like hand and wrist, even peripheral stuff to help this. But it's all determined by the testing and then kind of – this um, renaissance that Bill is kind of showing us. So yeah. I, it just, it's exciting because it's giving me more, more confidence to be, I know I'm going to get this big bang for my buck thing, even down low when I'm going up high. or yeah. vice versa. So, so I will say it's always been a, and it's still going to be a part of what I'm doing. Like give them what I, they think I, I should give them, but I'm going to be uh on the look to to be even more sniper rifle with all the things we can do to help the system. Yeah, for
0: sure. So one of the biggest issues in sport, and one of the things you hear people talk a lot about in sport is the blending of therapy and the training sides of the spectrum. So what are your thoughts here? How do we try and smooth that process so that the athlete, right, the person that we're trying to take care of gets the best possible outcome?
1: Yeah. Again, I I will say like, you know, the big pillar, Charlie Weingroff, this is like this awesome thing where training equals rehab and people get all pissy when they hear that. It's like, (laughs) we're not, we don't speak in absolutes. Like be quiet, like chill out, (laughs) but training should equal rehab in the fact that like, yeah, like it's better to do, in my opinion, I still feel this way. It's better to like teach a deadlift or teach something, you know, teach something that's big global and teach a, teach a, teach to be fit. Um, because that, those are the things that are going to help you, your system truly get better or heal or work through a, um, a fundamental movement pattern that's keeping them rigid or whatever it is, yeah. that's keeping them, keeping them specific. So that's a big thing. And, uh, I will say I got not got away from it, but I've expanded upon that and kind of with some of the softer skills that we've learned with, um, our continuing education, uh, I kind of then separated them out and now I will say I'm getting back to like, I honestly don't I honestly don't know where I'm in space a little bit i'm I'm not uncomfortable about it, but I I'm, I'm more excited to see like where is this gonna go because it's not it's about variability. it's not about let's never say loading a squat, but I will now lower load, load load a squat or, or or attack a squat that in a position and in a, with a strategy that I wouldn't have done before. yeah so it's I don't think I might not be making sense, but I will say that it's, it's definitely an evolution of this Training eagles rehab. Uh, then kind of separating out a little bit with soft skills and, and, and how that can help recovery and how that can help, obviously, access more strategies and, 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 uh, and ranges of motion. Um, but then – but, but I, I guess coming to the other side of this, um, I stepped into a hockey culture. I came into their culture, and I'm still – even after two years, kind of still feeling it out to the point where I need to see how my other people around me, the, the staff – handles this stuff so to make it seamless it's almost like it's not about like the concept of strength and conditioning and rehab kind of blending it's like how does this culture and this environment need to be adjusted to make that happen yep. and so it's yes i think that comes down to clear communication i think that comes down to it's nice that i have a strength and conditioning background uh, yes. going into this and i think that our strength coaches have a pretty solid handle on rehab so it's like they understand what what i'm doing or or i understand what they're doing and there's a pretty intimate understanding on both sides i I think that's really helpful um so i think it's hopefully going to evolve more and more and more but it's certainly in this in this realm it will but i think for the rest of our field it's going to evolve um and hopefully this in, in a more of a simple manner i think that the, the smoothness you're talking about comes with um you know communication amongst the professionals because our egos kill us so much as we know yeah. our, our egos are the thing that put up walls and, and and make it hard for us to communicate or make us hard to learn make it hard for us to learn and, and, and gain other perspectives mike you're calling me out. know um <laughs> So yeah, no, I, I think the gaining other other people's perspectives and, and that's that's really where we're gonna progress. It's not like some of the nitty gritty will be like, Yeah, we'll be able to program a little bit better to fit both needs, but you know, at the end of the day it's it's a lot about psychology. It's a lot about what the, what does the player or person perceive that they need and what the what and are the activities that they're performing in the in the routine that they're going through protocol, is it helpful? And I think that it's always again, patient centered care, how do we do it within their constraints and what they need
0: yep and one thing i would like to tack on here is you mentioned it and i think this is where our, our field is going as it becomes more successful is at least when i was coming up it was i, I remember we had a very good football player at, now keep in mind this is ball state in the 2000s so not a big deal you individually was very good the rest of our team unfortunately was very bad but i remember this kid tore his acl And I remember him working with the AT and just crushing leg extensions. And at some point, you know, he was okay to go back and start working with strength and conditioning. And it was like passing the torch, right? But there's like no communication at all. Versus now, where you're seeing our industry go, like, initially, it almost like pissed me off because we had so many kids that were coming to us as strength and conditioning interns. And they're like, I want to be a PT. I was like, dude, I'm trying to make like good coaches here. Like I'm not trying to make <laughs> another PT, but but now I've kind of almost come full circle on it because now I realize if I give them the coaching expertise and if they understand my lens, when they go to become a PT, they're going to be like a total ninja assassin Huge. versus, you know, the kid that's never been around that or never been exposed to that. If they only have the clinical mindset, they're going to struggle, right? They don't have this grander perspective of where this person is going. It's not just, hey, let's get you out of pain, it's, hey, man, how do we get you back and feeling awesome? And how do we make you more resilient and robust? So, I mean, I think that's where our our field is going, uh, is, you know, the PTs having a better understanding of what it's like to coach, the progression, how you evolve a human beyond just whatever you do on the table. And it's the strength coaches or physical preparation coaches or trainers or whatever we're calling ourselves these days, having a real understanding of, okay, why does this person have this issue? What is what is the therapist trying to achieve? How can I take that onto the gym floor and continue to to get that same adaptation or focus on that same movement pattern so that ultimately this person will stay healthy and stay my client or my athlete for as long as possible?
1: It's the same thing as, right? Like, how does the the accounting and the finance and the production and then the marketing, how does everyone, does everyone know what each other does? Because exactly. if you don't, it's, it's so inefficient, right? It yeah. creates this inefficiency in this... This issue where, where are we? We're just going to be dragging, literally dragging people through the mud, <laughs> trying trying to move, trying to win a race and you won't get there. So the more people know enough, and we're, we always talk about this, we're too too specialized, right? Yes. We see docs and, uh, and other professionals, including ourselves, too specialized and we don't know what other people do. So then we just keep putting, making our hammers, our, we see nails and everything, our hammer. Yes. So uh I, I do think it's, we don't need to be so specialized, but we also don't need to be thinking we can do everything, right? I love, uh, was it, um, buddy across the street? <laughs> he's, he's like, y- your ass can't ride two horses. And I, I love yeah. that. It's so true. It's like, you know, I'm not as good a strength coach as I used to be, I feel like, but I'm better strength coach because I look through things in a different way. Yeah. So I'm better and worse. It's, it's a specific adaptation. I've, I've, I've hopefully, ad- I'm trying to adapt to my specific role and I'm trying to adapt to, um, how I could be helpful in the moment right now. It's yeah. like, so again, that was not, that's also loose to why it really shouldn't, I shouldn't be going to learn about, you know, a, Omega wave. It's not going to be the first thing. Cause what are we going to do with that information? Like, it's very cool. Right. But until we have a sports scientist who can really d- take in a lot, a lot of data and do something with it, I, I need to get better at the, the nitty gritty. So
0: absolutely. Yep. Absolutely, man. All right, my guy, big question time. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Connor Ryan one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be?
1: Simplify it, man. I feel like we got so – I again, like I said before, I got so engulfed in what, what Gray Cook said, like every word he said and it, all this stuff. And I got overwhelmed and I feel like it, it inhibited me from learning. It, it got me um, – it, it gave me a, a plenty of questions and it made me excited. I, I was almost like a uh, an information, you know, hoarder. I wanted to. I just wanted to hear it all, and I felt like eventually it all make sense if I just keep, if I l- listen to a recording or if I listen to podcasts and more and more and more and more and more. And I just feel like, you know, get your hands dirty. That's a big deal. Know about what other people do, but not to the point where you can do it. It's it's enough to be dangerous, literally, and, and say. I know there's something else, and I I know I I can't necessarily help you with this problem you're having, but I can acute very very quickly hopefully say this is the right person, and so that's where that's where networking's a big deal. That's where so I will I will say that I don't have to tell old Connor about networking. I I felt like I was pretty eager to meet new people, and that's because I just like people. I think I'm I'm very fortunate in that regard. Like my mom is extremely extroverted, and uh, she kind of passed that along. And, And I'll also say my brother was like i was like i don't know how that came up i was like maybe i'm not good at talking to girls or whatever he's like <laughs> just just flirt just flirt with everyone like flirt with guys flirt with your teachers with- and <laughs> appropriately of course but yeah you know flirt and just and just make friends and, and it was something that really helped me come out of my shell when i was i was i was definitely very shy when i was younger and now i just enjoy people i want to learn about what drives people i want to learn about what makes them them and i want to see what makes them smile. Cause that's, you know, it it makes me, it makes me happy to see people enjoy their life. Right. It's, yeah. it's what we do. It's why we do what we do. Right.
0: For sure. For sure. All right, my guy, last but not least, we got our lightning round. And this first one <laughs> seems appropriate because I uh, want to know who gave you the nickname of the mayor and is there a story behind it?
1: Ah uh, man, I would say I'm pretty sure Doug Cheeson gave me that <laughs> name. Um, <laughs> And he would say in a very Boston accent, which is very charming. Um, Doug is just a charming guy, isn't yes, he? He's very, very he's funny. Awesome. And I think it per- certainly was continued by Greg Spatz and Trevor Rappa. Um, I, you know, I hate, I hated that the mayor because I, I like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to come off as a politician. I don't want to come off as like, <laughs> it's, it's, for, uh, you know, sorry for putting everyone, every, every uh, politician in the same bucket, but they're not necessarily the surface is not what is underneath. Yes. And I hope I reflect. My service reflects on it, but so I just ate it. You know, I have to eat it and, and take it as a compliment that uh, I like people. That's what I'll yeah. take it. But but that's kind of where I'm assuming it comes from.
0: I, I, it's got to be, and obviously the fact that you can recite like your third grade teacher and who you lifted weights with in seventh grade or whatever examples you gave, like like that's what a politician yeah. does. Like and not in a negative way. It's like a skill set that they have. They know everybody. They remember faces. They remember names. I mean, that's one thing they used to say about Bill Clinton was like he would meet you once and he would never forget you. Like you could meet him like 10 years later and he would still remember your name. So anyway, maybe you're just
1: on the fast track to like presidential election two thousand forty, uh, yeah. man. I don't know. Well I mean I'm that's really sweet that you'd say that. I'm I'm not that young anymore. I felt like I feel I feel like a young kid, but I'm not thirty three. I'm like, Whoa. yeah this is
0: Whoa! This guy. is I'm,
1: I'm getting like whoa! I'm pretty I'm decently experienced now. <laughs> it's it's kind of scary.
0: Oh man, I love it. Okay, number two. What book or books are you reading right now?
1: I will say uh, I have not read much lately because the season just ended. And I yeah. will say the the book that I was most recently reading was um, the Oxygen Advantage, which I think is very certainly interesting. It was a it was a recommendation from my my good friend Chris Wykas and Bill, um, and. It's very funny. It's it, it sounds like catastrophic when you're reading it, but if you just kind of leave that alone and like let it like just take in some of the physiology and some of the pra- practical uh, thoughts there. It's, it's I, I definitely dig the book. Um, okay. What I'm doing a lot now lately is uh, I'm trying to learn music. I've always okay. played guitar, and I'm truly trying to learn all the like the circle of fists and all this stuff that okay. some, maybe one or two listeners might understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now so I'm trying to learn music like as a whole. Like I. You know, never really took the time to do it so I think it'll open up so it's something exciting that's different from what I'm my profession and that we definitely get all too engulfed in sometimes yeah. so it's nice to get away from it and to get away from it's a meditation right to, to, to learn something new it's good, for, certainly good for the brain to learn something different and yes. Um, so that's fun yeah that's what I'm, I'd say got that brain
0: variability button. going man
1: I'm also, I will say, I'm excited about that book Bill was talking about, The Cells, Gels, and uh, the Human Engine or something like that. Oh, yeah. Very cool book. I don't know if that's on your list as well, but I'm excited about that.
0: Yes. Well, I'm kind of in the throes of my busy time, so sometimes I just revert to fiction.
1: Well, yeah. So what are you you reading lately?
0: Literally, like, for three months, I was reading Harry Potter. Like, I read the entire Harry Potter series. (laughs) So, you know, you got stuff like that, but... Then I'll go back to I always read fitness no, stuff. But yeah, sometimes it's like, hey man, my brain is overloaded. I need something I to know. relax.
1: Okay. The biggest thing I'm contemplating is Bill's stuff. That's uh, that's the biggest yes. thing in, like in terms of I'm trying to digest that. I went to the intensive a couple weeks ago, you I saw you. Yeah. And uh can't say enough about that that situation. That's that good stuff, education. man. Good stuff. Fantastic. Number three, talk to me about being a dad. Mike, you know, you know exactly. Yeah, I have little girl and little boy, just like yourself, kind yep. of similar spread. Yep. And I, you know, you, you hear people talk about, Oh, you, you love this thing more than anything. And you, you can't feel it until you actually do it. Obviously, right. it's, it's the biggest blessing and coolest thing. And it's such a neat thing to kind of go through because you reflect on what you did as a kid and, and you feel almost the feelings like, when they're feeling scared or when they're feeling apprehensive or something like that, you just almost, I, I can feel maybe, maybe my yeah. memory is a little bit, maybe I have, maybe I've repressed some things, but right. it's kind of coming back to me. It was, it's just a great experience. And, and, uh, it also makes you obviously want to be a better person. I think we all want to be good people, but it makes you want to be that much better and that much better example. And yep. and truly makes you contemplate your every almost every action, which is somewhat exhausting, but also <laughs> just again, it's a very it's you're very present. Yeah, I hear I hear older you know I should say parents of older kids are like everyone says it goes by in a blink make sure you spend time with them, make sure you like, you make sure you pay attention. They're going to be, they're going to be in college before you know it. I'm like, I'm listening. So I literally right. like almost pathologically try to be with my kids. And certainly, especially cause while they want to be around me, yeah, I absolutely. definitely, it is the best. Can't, can't recommend it enough. And uh, I'm glad that you are also able to experience that.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Okay. Last
1: but not least, number four, what's next for Connor Ryan. The off season is, is here. Yes. Yeah, so you know we have certainly some con ed coming up and um, certain things. I want to go hang out with Aaron Davis. I'm pretty pretty excited mm-hmm. about hanging with him a little bit. um yep. I know you've had him on the show and yeah, uh, yeah. It's kind of good summer. Hopefully, maybe head back east for see the family. Um, but I'm I'm kind of we're, our off season duties are kind of taking care of some post operative stuff and um, yeah, it's just kind of it's a it's a much easier schedule than the than the than the season seven days a week, but. Uh, yeah, I just actually, I'm happy to, to, uh, be able to say I just got added on for my next two years. So nice, I'm, man. Here, congrats. I'm, here, I'm here in Phoenix for the next two years, unless some billionaire wants to pay me to be their personal, <laughs> staff, <sorry. laughs> maybe pay me more than I'm worth, uh, then I'm going to stay here. I like, I like where I'm at. I like, I like the staff and I want to keep building. I love it, man. I love
0: it. Well, congrats, my guy. That's amazing. Where can my listeners find out more about the mayor, Connor Ryan and what he's got going on?
1: I know I'm embarrassed. I, I I have still yet to make a website, just partly because I'm like, I, I I have I have just the right amount of clients on the side, and I I have my side business, and um, you know, with managing family and work and yeah. my side, it's kind of where I'm at. So, but I will say I wanna I'm gonna create a uh, a website mostly for like I can't tell you everything I want to tell you in this moment. I need to get going on this intervention. So yeah. Here's here's a blog that I wrote, or here's a blog that someone else wrote. That you know, I'm gonna point you to the right direction, so you can get right. some big picture, big bang for your bucks information, and not have to sit here and, and waste your your time and money. And you can do it for free. When I'm just big concepts, I'd like to get out there. Maybe some different execution of certain things, so people yeah. can understand what we do. I think it is important that um, people do come with an expectation of of what you do. They want to know, and so I, my 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 goal is to create a, create a website or some kind of forum that allows them to see what we do and and uh also things that would be educational for that the patients and, and people who are, are we're working with you know up and down i love it man i love so it I will, I will have something out soon it'll be yes within the next year is my goal oh year man very we got to tighten that that time frame I, up my guy it's I the off season say, man get going I now laugh I, I laugh when i say that because like yeah pretty lofty goals connor i don't know if you're gonna get that in year <laughs> we'll find somebody on
0: fiverr to do it in the next hour we'll see we'll see yeah i appreciate awesome. that awesome well connor man it's always great catching up with you buddy thanks so much for coming on the show it's been a pleasure thank you so much mike right guys that does it for this week's show with connor sincerely hope you enjoyed it i can say this with very little reservation connor is one of my favorite human beings in the world just such an awesome guy love his perspective on life and uh hopefully some of you guys enjoyed listening to as well now with that being said a small favor to ask of you this week as i asked up front if you could give me any feedback on the show what are you liking right now what do you dislike you know People you'd like to hear from, any feedback that you have that would make the show a little bit better, I would love to hear it. Drop me a line. You can DM me on Instagram, Rob Train Systems, or you can shoot me an email, mike at robertsontrainingsystems.com. Let me know what you think. And you know, on the other hand, if you're just loving it, if you enjoy the content, if it's making you a better trainer, coach, athlete, by all means, share it with your friends, your family, let people know about the show so we can continue to spread the good word and make our industry a little bit better. So my friends, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.